When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. You're listening to Steve Bloomer's Washing, the independent Derby County podcast, where trouble at home is continuing to undermine the Rams' start in League One. Another frustrating, winless result at Pride Park, leaving Derby very much in the middle of the pack, uh, despite ticking along perfectly well on the road. Uh, I'm Chris Parsons, and joining me after Derby nil. Cambridge nil is Richard Kutcher. Hi, mate. Still not quite happening, is it? No, really uh, frustrating watch yesterday. There was some good things, which we'll probably talk about, and plenty of, yeah, as I said, frustration and just that lack of cutting edge, which means that our home form continues to be a real, real problem. And wine tastings, Anton Martin is here. How have you been, sir? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Bringing a bit of class to the SBW Towers, um, having uh, recently come back from a trip to France. (laughs) Uh, with lots of uh, wine heavier the car was when we came back. Well, if you don't do that, then it's a bit of a useless journey, isn't it? So fair play to you. But uh, Derby County nil, Cambridge United nil. An improved performance, I would say, generally from the listless, directionless display against Portsmouth and off the back of a relatively routine win away at Carlisle. But 65% possession, 12 shots, but no goals. Um, I'll, I'll paint you a picture, boys. So I, I watched most of the Cambridge game, but I had to miss about the last 15, 20 minutes or so because I was going to a wedding at the uh, at a, a place in London with the biggest beer garden in West London, no less. Wow. Um, imagine how big wow. that was. But I was on the way there. Uh, I was on the overground because of the train strike, um, obviously refreshing uh, live score and and waiting for the messages to come in and I was on that train with like two minutes of injury time to go when I went through that time when you've got no signal and I was just really hoping that I would get into above ground again I get signal and I get that flood of messages like get in goal 1-0 scrappy win it didn't come though the messages didn't come <laughs> all I got was one from uh our discord from our patron Julian Gerson has just said that, that was one of the most forgettable football matches I've ever watched. And I thought <laughs> we didn't score, did we? <laughs> Kutch, 
we're just simply not firing at home, are we? No, not at all. And to be honest, it didn't. I thought all second half, it didn't really look like you would get those messages at any point, Chris. Um, I thought first half, you know, we started the game pretty brightly, front foot, high energy, pressing well, winning the ball hard at the pitch. Uh, obviously, there was that counter-attacking chance, which maybe we'll come on to in the first couple of minutes. But I thought second half was what really disappointed me. They just came out with none of that same energy, none of that same urgency, and it just felt flat. And there was a five-minute spell when we had those two-headed chances from Collins, both good crosses from Nathaniel Mendes-Lang, who I thought had a better second half than he did first half. Collins should have done better with his header, and Waggy certainly should have done better with, with his header. I think he seemed to jump too early and get almost on top of it. He maybe didn't even need to jump. He just needed to walk onto it and nod it in. And that's that's ultimately what costs us because you know some sometimes those games you'll get that early goal and that will turn into a, a comfortable three 0 or four 0 win and others you've got to work harder for it and they didn't have the the dynamism or the the breadth of ideas to break down a, a pretty well organised and up for it Cambridge team who were just quite happy to come and get get that point and they could have nicked it right like you said Chris you're waiting for those get in messages I, I think I think part of you probably would have been thinking we're going to concede a ninety third minute. You know, losing goal because it looked like that kind of game at times. Yeah, Anton, I mean, as I said, it was a better performance, I feel, than, than Portsmouth. Like, you could see what the game plan was. I tweeted myself that it's just so much easier to see what the tactical setup is when you've got two traditional wide men and the holder in Fauna in front of the back four, mopping everything up and clearing the danger. And I think the build-up play was promising, but is it just a case of us just not being clinical enough and taking our chances. I agree it was much improved and we were certainly moving the ball much quicker and transitioning much quicker. I think most of our joy came from when we won the ball back in midfield and got it wide quite quickly. And I think Barkhausen made a big difference to both kind of the the play down the left-hand side, but also Mendes Lang's performance because we weren't so heavily reliant on Mendes Lang out wide. Barkhausen w- was was pretty dynamic, he, especially in the first half. He he seemed to be everywhere across the the front three, and he was he was getting in behind, and it was leading to some fruitful chances. I think what concerns me still, and as, as we say, there, there are plenty of positives to take from that. It was it was improved, although I, I still understand the frustration of the fans. The 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 concern for me is is the creativity in the middle of the park because there's only so much you can do out wide and and we saw in the second half especially Cutch touched upon it Cambridge just knew exactly what we were trying to do once we were just repeating the same movements time and time again they just set up a low block defended their box really well to be honest and because we didn't have anyone kind of dropping into those pockets of spaces in in between their defence and midfield, we, we just didn't really have anywhere else to go and it just became quite easy to defend. Coach, I was going to... I feel one important point to make is that I think we did miss Harrahan quite a lot against Cambridge. I mean, Waggy was on set pieces and did they were okay, but they weren't just as threatening or uh, they didn't really seem to have like the whip or like the precision that Harrahan puts on those balls in. But... Sean Barker made a really good point on comms, actually, and because we got in behind so many times, like Barkhausen would get beyond the fullback or, or Mendes Langwood, but quite a few times they'd then get the head up, try and pick out a player in the middle, whereas the point he was making is that just get in behind and fizz it across, just put it into an area and hope and believe that Collins or someone else or Waghorn are going to get on the end of it. I mean, do you think part of the issue is that we're trying to be too 
precise with that final ball? Maybe. I mean, I didn't. I didn't think Colin spent enough time in the eighteen-yard box. He seemed like he's outside the box a lot of the time. And Waghorn wasn't in the game at all, really. Like in in the first half, even when we when we dominated and were creating more chances, I didn't think he was getting on the ball enough. I don't think a number 10 position really suits him actually. I think he needs to be much closer to Collins. He needs to be in the box himself because, you know, I know that him and Collins missed those chances in the second half, but you would trust definitely Waghorn to, to put a chance away in the form he's been in early season. So I think he needs to be much further up the pitch. You, you mentioned we missed Harrahan. I do think that Smith and Fauna could be a great uh, midfield duo away from home or in games which are going to be a real midfield battle. I thought Fauna was, was brilliant. You know, he mopped up everything. He won second balls. He he covered his fullbacks. I thought Smith felt a bit redundant. And if Harrahan had been fit or Max Bird had been fully fit to start, them starting alongside Fauna might have given us that extra dynamism, that key pass to unlock something. Obviously, Harrahan's set-piece delivery, as you mentioned, would have been better than Waghorn's. We had 11 corners, um, sorry, nine corners yesterday, and there's only one in that first half, which really kind of uh, amounted to something where we just missed uh, just missed in a six-yard box. So I do think maybe Bird or Harrahan makes a difference in that game, but honestly, we should have had enough to win that without them. 12 shots on goal was great. Only two of them were on target. That, that kind of says it all for the kind of the our performance in front of goal yesterday. I can understand where where Barker's coming from from the crossing perspective because it it seemed like everything was so floaty and and so far up in the air it, it was just easy for Cambridge to get underneath it. I think we just had to vary the the, the delivery a little bit more to to give our um, strikers chance to get get in front of the Cambridge defence. Going back to Waggy, I, I I do agree with you, Cups, that 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 number ten position just doesn't really suit him. I think he's probably our our best option in that area that we have at the moment it's it's kind of between him and Sibley Sibley's just had so many chances I've, I've started to lose faith with him to be honest so the, the fact that Wycorn's got the technical capability to play there I think he's the, the the best of a bad bunch to be honest but he he just doesn't have that that vision and that passing quality that you need to unlock defences, especially when you have teams such as Cambridge who are, who are sitting deep and, and just setting up really well uh, kind of defensively which which they did yesterday that's kind of their mo they've they've performed pretty well this season actually doing very similar against similar teams they're they're much better than i think people give them credit for they've they've had successful performances against the likes of oxford and bristol rovers teams that come out against them and they've defended well but you just need that extra bit of quality linking up the midfield in defense and i think bird would bring that definitely but i still think we're lacking that number that that true number 10 well i think you mentioned bird at the end there bird was the one that was played in that kind of more advanced number 10 position earlier on in the season maybe that's what we're going to see when everyone's fit maybe bird will be there that was in the five three two, i guess with all and but then it's not really his position either is it yeah, yeah, and no, I agree with that. I mean, the, the other thing about Waggy is that he also hasn't got, I don't think, the natural ability to drop into the holes and find the spaces. Like you, you mentioned, he hasn't really kind of got that that vision to unlock the killer pass. I, I agree with that, but I also don't think he's got the kind of game awareness to drop into the position to be able to make that killer pass or be able to try that killer pass. I just do think he's our best option as a striker, you know, being in the box, hassling players, getting on the end of things like we saw against Peterborough and, and his, his goal record this season. On the crosses, one of the best balls put into the box all day, well, particularly in the first half, was actually Nyambi when he pulled it back. He got to the byline, just pulled it back to the penalty spot, Barkhausen shoots. That was probably 
the best kind of move that we created to create a real chance of the whole game. Probably the only one, really. Maybe the Mendes Lang through ball to Sibley second half was also a nice a nice movement, but that's two. Everything else just came from that counter-attack in the first minute, which between them, Mendes Lang and Barkhausen butchered. And then the two decent crosses second half from Mendes Lang, which Collins and Waghorn both missed. So there's just not enough of cute interplay, opening up a defence without just kind of aimlessly putting it into the box from out wide. To going back to that Sean Barker point, I guess I'm not saying that we just have to hammer it across the box and hope for the best every single time. But I think what you're saying is more variation to our play and try to make us less predictable especially what Anton said there about floating crosses in all the time. We need to keep opposition defences guessing more, which we're clearly not doing at the moment. I don't want to be too caps in hindsight about this, but I mean, with the strikers not really uh, not firing yesterday, it did seem like the sort of game that maybe someone like Didzy would have got, got us out of a hole in last season, but look, he's not here. It's a different issue. I do still stand by our prediction, Kutch, that, Waghorn, Collins and Washington will all get into or close to double figures this season. I still back that. They're all fundamentally okay strikers. They're not going to tear this league apart, any of them individually. Um, You know, Collins got a really good brace against Carlisle, but it just felt like we needed just that little touch of extra quality or ruthlessness when when needed. I still think Waghorn can get 20 goals this season, but I think he needs to play up front you know, up front, either as a one with someone behind him or in a two. Um, for me, he's the one who's most likely to get 20 goals by playing up front consistently. I think Collins and Washington are both perfectly capable of getting double figures. I mean, Collins already probably halfway there, but they need service. They need better service. They need better support. Um, they need us to be on the front foot more. Yesterday, particularly second half, there was never a period. We need to put a team under pressure for 10 sort of minutes. You know, you really kind of get the crowd going, get get complete. We had control of the ball, but without really without really putting pressure on on the on the on the opposition um penalty box. Like there just wasn't enough urgency. There wasn't enough there wasn't anyone beating a man. Sibley came on and didn't really do anything. I thought when he was released in that inside right channel in the in the box he kind of hit it across goal with his right foot as a neither a shot nor a nor a nor a pass. You know, a, a confident Sibley, I think, probably chops back onto his left foot and and tries to curl it into the hit it in towards the far corner. So, I don't know. I think this Barkhausen was a real positive, particularly first half. I thought he looked really good actually, um, and could be someone who can create something for others. I, I still don't know. I still don't know what the best system is to get the most out of our more promising attacking players shall we say because I think there's Mendes Lang is kind of flattering to deceive so far this season uh, Barkhausen's coming back from form Waghorn's look good in patches obviously Collins has, has delivered some goals I think I've liked the look of Washington I thought Washington could have come on earlier yesterday you couldn't really start him yesterday because obviously Collins had got two goals last game but Washington I thought offers you something different up front so yeah he's still scratching around and obviously all the injuries don't really help yeah of course one of the positives though looking Pretty good defensively, Derby County right now, you'd have to say. Three clean sheets on the spin, only one goal conceded in four. Uh, I think Curtis Nelson looking far more assured now. Um, even fancied a little a little bomb forward yesterday at one point, I noticed. Uh, and as you said, Ryan Niambe slotting right in at uh, right back. Derby's first ever Namibian player, I assume. Kutch, your partner is from 
Namibia is Ryan Niambe the player to finally get her interested in Derby County well she has already got a Derby County shirt I don't know if she's going to be getting Niambe on the back of it anytime soon he might be off in January (laughs) but I spoke to her cousin who is a big football fan about him and he obviously it seems like he's obviously Namibia's best player which I don't think is saying a great deal and uh, yeah he obviously was at Blackburn last season he moved here when he was 13 so he doesn't sound very Namibian and he's from a very remote part of Namibia right between Botswana and Angola where all the hippos are but yeah, he was fantastic. He was really good. Um, I thought he looked like a proper solid defender. I said on the, I said on Twitter or on the Discord yesterday that I wouldn't be surprised when, particularly when Wilson and Ward are both back fit, and Ward is tempted to go back to a three-five-two. That Niambe would be a, would be a good option at right centre back in a three, because uh, he is more of a defender than, a, than an attacker. Whereas Ward and Wilson are both kind of proper wing backs. I think uh, he just looks. Yeah, he looks strong. He looks quick. He reads the game well. I know that he said that yeah, his weakness is perhaps his his going forward. But I, he put in two of the better balls I thought yesterday when he did get in those positions. So he's probably not a natural attacker, but I think he's got good game awareness. I think he looks like a great addition. It sounds like Ward wanted him all summer, and Nayambe obviously was holding out for a championship club and eventually realised he he needed to come. You know, step down a level, and Derby obviously went a bit of a crisis with right back, so they probably offered him a bit more. So yeah, he, I guess he'll be off to the African Cup of Nations because maybe I have qualified for that, which was a surprise. And so we'll lose him, and then maybe hopefully resign him again after 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 that tournament. Yeah, I mean, we saw against Carlisle. I think Kane Wilson came on in almost a right wing position ahead of Niambi. So I think that definitely is an option, as you mentioned. I was going to say exactly the same about his what we've seen from an attacking perspective from Nyambe so far because I think he's looked very assured defensively and and he he said himself with 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 his interview with Radio Derby that that's where he sees his strengths but there's something a bit chaotic about him going forward he's he's got quite quick feet he put in that great ball yesterday he's put in a couple of those in over the last couple of days a couple of games and if he can link up well with Endes Lang I think that that gives us a lot of options down that right flank. So I, I don't think it's out wide that we're, we're struggling. It comes back to that midfield balance. We have to mention as well uh, what, a, what a fortnight it's been for Derby County and for uh, for Josh Vickers, bless him, and the horrendous situation he found himself in uh, with his wife, Laura, passing away after a battle with cancer and some genuinely really, really touching scenes at Pride Park against Cambridge when the whole ground came together on 31 minutes to uh, to applaud and support him. Um, I mean, I, I saw some people saying like, you know, do you want to draw attention to it? Like, just let him deal with it in his own way. But I feel it was a really, a really powerful moving gesture, especially with both sets of players and both sets of fans showing their support for, for the guy as well. I mean, I, I don't know about you two, but I do not know how he's in any, how he's back playing for Derby, you know, I saw the picture of him training with Wildsmith and I thought, how is he, how, how much strength has he shown to pull himself together and, and get back in the saddle again? I guess some people deal with these things in different ways and he obviously wants to throw himself back into, into what he's good at and what he's done, what he does for a living, but a awful situation for the poor guy. But we did show great support for him against Cambridge, didn't we? Yeah, we did. And um, as you said, I thought it was a very touching moment for the whole ground, both sets of supporters, both sets of players, the officials, yeah, everyone coming to a halt for that minute to, to, to give him and his family that support and, and, and that 
and that round of applause I thought was very touching. And and to your point about, you know, people saying obviously, you know, maybe just leave him alone, don't draw attention to it. Look, these, these kind of things he would it would have been discussed with him. He obviously wanted to be there today. He wanted to play his part in the team and be available. That's his decision. And I imagine the gesture which Derby and everyone in the stadium showed would also have been run past him as well. And if he didn't want that to happen, it wouldn't have happened. So I thought it was a great gesture from everyone involved. And uh, it sounds like, you know, that the the club, the manager and the players have all got around him and, and give him that support. And he's obviously grateful for that. So all we can do as fans is, is, is back him as well. Anton, this emphasises, doesn't it, that successful teams are made of squads. It is a bit of a cliche, but like they look at strong first 11 and, uh, you know, winning because of your best players. But Josh Vickers has only played once for Derby, but this really showed just how well thought of he is. And he's clearly a key part of of one setup, you know. So like Derby County is not just 11 players, it's the whole squad and everyone around the club. And I think that really came through in, in how Josh Vickers has been supported this week. Yeah, and I, I think whatever you think of Paul Warren and his coaching staff, one thing that nobody can fault him for is his man management and his support of his his playing staff. And I think that certainly came through massively this week, not just in in Paul Warren's words and the coaching staff's words, but how how together the squad felt. And and yeah, it, it was emotional yesterday when when everyone was applauding in the thirty first minute. I, I don't think I've ever actually seen play fully stop like that with with players on the pitch and officials being included in that and it those kind of things I mean it's it's obviously a horrible situation but it it does make you proud to be part of this club because it's it's hopefully given Josh Vickers a huge amount of um, a showing of support that that everyone's with him um, and whatever he needs from the club whether that's a little bit of peace and quiet or to get back into it within training the club's going to be behind him and, and the supporters are definitely going to be with there with him as well more in a very short uh, a very short second on Steve Bloomer's washing but uh, over on the SBW Patreon this month uh, you could have the chance to win a genuinely brilliant prize we are giving away a home or away 23-24 Derby County shirt to two lucky patrons in our monthly prize draw. And literally all you have to do to enter is simply be uh, a member of the Steve Bloomers Washing Patreon, where of course you get bonus content and an extra podcast from us each month. It's literally that simple. And right now you would have odds of about, you'd have about a one in 25 chance of winning a new shirt. So look, that's got to be worth a punt, surely. Uh, just visit patreon.com forward slash Steve Bloomers Washing to sign up, support the podcast and get your name in the hat. Harley feeds the ball right. Veers the target! 2-2! Emmanuel Villar for Derby County sends Pride Park into raptures. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. 
Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hi there, we County fans. I'm Branko Struper. Hi, I'm Paolo Wanchop. Hi, I'm Mart Poom. And you are listening to Steve Bloomer's Washing. I wonder how many times commentators send, uh, said sends Pride Park into raptures in the 07-08 season. Uh, I think I had to really, <laughs> had to really root around in the, in the back channels of YouTube for that one. Who was, uh, who was the home goal against? I mean, when I think of late Tito Villa equalizers, I think of Birmingham City away and, and me losing my glasses as Tom climbs all over me. But uh, who was the... It was Fulham at home in a game where he sent Pride Park into raptures minutes before we were officially relegated with the lowest points total ever. <laughs> Uh, no, sorry, before that, that was the game we officially went down, I think. So, uh, yeah, mixed emotions. Look, chalk and cheese at home and away this season for Derby County then, doing perfectly fine away, three wins out of four, averaging more than two points a game, albeit from not many games, but just one win from five at Pride Park, um, which is clearly going to have to change if we're going to be in the promotion mix this season. I've thought about this, Kutch and Anton, like, I, I think over the course of the season, we will put away most of the weaker teams in this division. Teams like Carlisle and Fleetwood and Burton. The teams in mid-table like Cambridge who come with a game plan. It seems a bit 50-50 if they get it right and just concentrate and know that our game plan isn't really sophisticated enough to break teams down all the time. We might not always get those results. And to be honest... I just don't feel like we've got enough in us at the moment to really get enough points from the top teams in in this league. Um, I mean, we've lost to Wigan and Oxford already, beaten Peterborough, fair enough, lost to Bolton uh, in quite unfair circumstances. So overall, I'm just not quite seeing enough from this Derby County team, I I think, for us to be in with a shout. How, How do you feel, Anton, right now? Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I think there's still a lot of work needed, especially going forward. And I, I think the home displays have, have really highlighted that because it's it's a different challenge when you come up against the, the Cambridge at home where they're very much happy with a, with going away with a point, with, with a nil-nil. So they're happy to sit in and defend. And you need that extra little bit of quality, as we spoke about in the first half to unlock those kind of defences. Whereas away from home, you often find that the home team does come out and play a little bit more, the likes of Carlisle. So um, it's, it can be easier to find that breakthrough. So I, th- I think that's the, the main challenge that Paul Warren needs to address. And against better opposition, as you say, that becomes all the more difficult. Um, I, I think there were signs of improvement yesterday. I, th- I think it was one of our better performances. And I mean, I mentioned Carlisle before. I think we were actually much better yesterday than we were against Carlisle where we came away 2-0 uh, victors. So if we can continue that trajectory of improvement, then I, I think there is a lot of headroom there. But at the moment, it's just 
pretty slow going. But I mean, we, we've not been playing very well so far and we're still only a few points off playoffs. So there's still a lot of football to be played between now and the end of the season. There is time, but something has to, to change fairly quickly. Coach, we are more than 10 games into the season in all comps. It should be said, we did have a pretty impressive 2-0 win over Lincoln since our last pod as well. But how confident are you on the current showing that we will improve and get into that top six? I don't think we can get much worse in terms of results. The, the, problem, with, the problem with the home form is it puts a lot of pressure on the away form. And the away form has been fantastic, right? Three, three wins out of four away from home, which is brilliant. Again, very different from last season. But the, more that, the longer that the, the poor home form goes on, the more pressure it puts on the away form. If let's say you presume the away form continues to be decent, you're just converting a couple of home performances away from really shooting up the league, as, as Anton says. I know lots of people would say that the signs aren't there, that we're going to do that. What concerns me is that we failed to break down Cambridge yesterday. We failed to create enough clear-cut chances to win that game. And so that that's us struggling against a team that's coming to do a job on us. And against Portsmouth uh, a couple of weeks beforehand, who are you know obviously top of the league, we competed with them, but we weren't visibly better than them. We didn't kind of embrace that challenge of playing a top team either. So I feel like we're quite far away from turning around the home form consistently. But as Anton said, there is a lot of headroom like. For me, that team is still good enough to get to top two. The team, the, the 11 players we can put on the field, the squad of, say, 15, 16 we can put out there when people are fit is good enough if they're coached well and managed well and the tactics are right to get top two. Um, I still believe that. I still believe it's possible, but the improvement has to happen soon because otherwise you're just creating a lot more for you to catch up on later in the season. I think what you mentioned around not being able to to dominate against a team like Portsmouth is is probably something that we've seen since Warren came into this team, really. I'm, I'm not sure in the last year we've really put in a, a top performance against one of the top six where we've absolutely blown them away. I know we beat Peterborough fairly comfortably in the end away from home, but the performance wasn't... It, the, the result probably flattered us a little bit in terms of the chances created and how dominant we were. If you want to finish in the top two, you have to do that more. I, I think as it stands, the team and, and the performances are, are more than good enough to get into the top six. But I worry that we just don't have the the cutting edge and quality to make it into the top two, which ultimately has to be the target for this year. Just a little bit of um, feedback from our socials. Our coach was on Twitter duty for the second half yesterday and a few people coming back uh, to us after the final whistle of Derby nil, Cambridge nil. Stephen Friel said, should we not have been given a penalty or was it because the corner hadn't been taken yet? Uh, Adam Hurt said, we only controlled the game because Cambridge got the result they came for. Uh, We could have played for another 90 minutes and not scored. Kev Ram said it was certainly a better performance than recent home games. And uh, Paul from Derby Brewing said, uh, we lack quality. The squad is worse than last season, so we struggle to break down defensive sides at home. Uh, Warns overall defensive tactics of bypassing the midfield, hitting the channels to get it in the box, plays into these sides' hands. And uh, Craig Nash said, we controlled the game but created nothing. No identity apart from trying to get crosses in, starting to lose patience, Kutch. 
someone made the comment there about uh, bypassing the midfield, and that absolutely has been the strategy and and the case for the last few months. I thought yesterday they didn't do that at all, uh, particularly second half. If anything, they were guilty of playing it around the back too much or playing it through the middle a bit too much. I thought they lost their way a bit yesterday. I'm not saying I'm a massive fan of bypassing the midfield, but as I said earlier, Smith and Fauna, I felt were a bit too similar and a bit too one-dimensional when we were on the ball going forward. They, neither of them are going to beat a man. They're not going to necessarily play that killer pass. For me, Smith felt a bit redundant. So I thought we weren't guilty yesterday of doing some of the things that we've been accused of, but it didn't help us. <laughs> it didn't help us either. I am definitely losing some patience, I would say. like I think all four of us, the regulars on the pod, and plus Blake as well, are maybe a bit more supportive of Warren than some of the sentiment we're seeing from the fan base at the moment. However, you know, when he comes out yesterday after the end of the game and say and says that was, you know, we we really, really deserve to win. That was a really good performance. It does worry me a little bit, but he thinks that's a good performance when you created two shots on target, having the ball for most of the game. Yeah, I, I yeah, I get that. And I see that I think a couple of people pointed out like, yeah, I want to see more from Warren in post match. Like where's the why isn't he saying it's not good enough? Why isn't he coming out and showing a bit more, not emotion, because he's clearly an emotional guy, but a bit more fire in the belly. And I think to, to point to that, we don't know what he's saying to the players immediately in the dressing room and what, what he says to them after might be different to then what he says in public to to the media. Um, so yeah, I see your point on that. But Blackpool away next in midweek, which will be a real test of Derby's really good away form as they have the best home record in League One at the moment. And then next weekend, Anton, uh, Curtis Davis's Cheltenham Town, who as it, at the time of recording are rock bottom of League One with one point and having not scored a single goal from 10 games. Although <laughs> they are playing... It will happen next weekend then. They are playing second bottom Fleetwood uh, in midweek before we play them. Surely they'll, they'll score in that game. Um, but quite a big test of, of where we are this season, like playing the worst team in the league away and the team with the best home record away in the space of five days. Yeah, two very different challenges. I, I mean, I think going into Cheltenham next weekend, anything less than three points is is going to be really disappointed. There's no excuses for not coming away with 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 a victory there blackpool as you say is a is a much tougher prospect it sounds like Howrahan and bird might be both kind of fit to start which i, I think would give the midfield a, a much better balance hopefully coming in for for Corey smith because I, I i agree with kutch's sentiments before i think i mean on on that midfield balance fauna i've been quite impressed with over the last few games, he's made the odd mistake and given the ball away cheaply at times, but he does give that extra bit of energy in the middle. And I think alongside someone like a Bird and a Howrahan, then that could play in, in, in their favour quite well. And it could, could actually create a lot of space for them to, to then do their thing on the ball and hopefully create a little bit more opportunities for, for the front three. But I, I think Blackpool will be a really good kind of litmus test of, of where the team is and, and maybe where the where the ceiling is for us this season, whether we we can realistically still aim at the top two or whether the top six is, is more realistic. Four points from those two games. You'd be well up for that, wouldn't you, Coach, I imagine? Yeah, I'd be bang up for it, Chris. I mean, a, a point away from home, is, you know, the way, well, it depends which way it falls, right? You beat, you beat Blackpool away and then you go and draw with Cheltenham. You'd be 
pretty upset i think but um if, if it's the other way around i think that would be good i mean blackpool's an interesting one because uh, i think their home form and away form is chalk and cheese right you said they've got the best home form in the league but they're sat one point ahead of us in in 11th so they're obviously struggling away from home and we've, we, we're one of the best teams away from home in the league, I imagine, with our form. So uh, that will be a good test. I mean, and going back to needing to beat the teams around us or doing not really showing that we've got it in us to beat the teams around us, or the, or the teams we want to be competing with at the top of the table, you'd obviously put Blackpool in that in that bracket. So a win there could could be a real statement, but we did struggle to really impact the game against Bolton. But if you if you're going to struggle in those games, you've got to be flat track bullies. You've got to you've got to be the most consistent team of those challenging against the bottom half and the kind of bottom 60, uh, bottom 14 teams. And unfortunately by not beating Cambridge and by having disappointing results against other teams in the, in the bottom half of the table, we're not doing either. So you can kind of get away with maybe not beating those top four or five teams. If you, if you beat everyone else and we didn't beat Cambridge, which, you know, would have been one of those everyone else. A couple of slightly more random items to wrap up. Episode 166 of Steve Bloom was washing with. Uh, this first one, I- I'm not sure how this is going to be received, but uh, <laughs> I'm going to try something new because <laughs> Kutch recently shared something on the group chat, which I-, I just thought had to be discussed with a wider audience. Um, so in what might be the first of a prolific new feature, here is Richard Kutch's dream update. Yeah, yeah, I know. People have been asking for more harp music on the pod. There you go. That's that box ticks. Um, Kutch, basically, you have sometimes some really peculiar dreams that involve us and or football. And uh, and you had a belt idea overnight, didn't you? I did. I, I will say maybe it should be SPW dreams, the feature, because there's the, I think you and Tom have sometimes chimed in with the odd, uh, the odd, the odd corking uh, SPW themed uh, dream. But this one was actually, it was obviously SPW obviously had some kind of Sunday league football team, uh, which Chris obviously was managing, sure. captaining or, or coordinating. And I was running late and I kind of pulled up to the pitch, you know, alongside the pitch about 20 minutes into the game. Chris had stepped in and goal obviously I was meant to be a goalkeeper <laughs> I don't know where Tom was because Tom obviously would, would have been first choice goalkeeper so he was obviously having a day off as well and as I arrived at the at the game and I think I'm going to be generous to Chris here and say that you were distracted by my arrival you were receiving a back pass about 40 yards from goal and you kind of fell over I don't know if you were trying to grab it or you fell over and and the ball squirmed out and then they obviously ran through and scored and it was very I was just stood at the side of the pitch uh, pissing myself Piss myself well, laughing. Well, the way the way you said it in the group chat was that I collapsed. I thought you, you yes. dreamt that I'd had like a medical episode. <laughs> no, no, I don't think you were hurt in any way. I don't think you'd had any health issues. But okay. you, you fell over onto the ball and I couldn't work out if you were trying to pick it up. And there's also a train, you know, how dreams get really random and weird. There's also a, a train involved, which delayed me getting to the pitch. And yeah, we went on to lose like 7-0. Uh, right that was about it yeah so when i collapsed due to a medical episode or not and the goal was allowed to stand like it was a it was a legitimate goal was it no i think it was a mistake you you made a mistake yeah okay right (laughs) (laughs) and at what point did you wake up when the goal went in uh, yeah, I woke up when I was, I think we went in at half time and then we couldn't get back onto the pitch because of a train and that, that, it all got very confusing and that's, that's when I woke up. Sounds like Chris was a victim of his own tiki-taka nonsense of trying to get the, the goalkeeper 
to play out the back foot with his feet and then it actually comes uh comes to to nest when it, when he actually plays in goal so maybe he might think his football rethink really his football manager strategy going forward in Kutch's subconscious, I clearly fancy myself as like a Manuel Neuer sweeper keeper sort of a <laughs> sort of a figure, as well as a amateurish Sunday League manager slash coach. Yeah, which I imagine I could see you doing that. Yeah, so that's partly true, to be honest. Um, okay, good. What I was worried about is that like I collapsed in your dream, and then like I got killed off in your subconscious. But so I'm glad that hasn't happened. No, you didn't die. I guess maybe I just get dropped for the next game and. When you next have a dream, maybe Anton will be in goal. I mean, Anton, you're not even in this dream. That's a shame, isn't it? <laughs> I know. Maybe that's why we lost 7 0, though. So. <laughs> I don't think, well, I don't think we had much attacking place. I don't think you had much, a bit like, you know, James Collins up front. He didn't get much service. You, 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 we didn't get you into the game enough. I like it. Well, uh, more from SBW Dream Updates, possibly in the next podcast, depending on. Uh, how mentally affected we are over the next few weeks and what our sleep patterns are like. You play Jingle again, Kutch? So I feel like to play it at the beginning and end. It's very soothing, isn't it? I like that. Um, all right, look, let's move it on. Let's wrap it up. Have you got a Hooramai for us this week, Kutch? I have got a Hooramai blast from the past. Oh, oh yes. The quiz has been a blast from the past, of course. Let's hear it. Okay, so uh, for those who haven't uh, maybe come to us more recently, haven't heard us play Who Ram I, I am going to give a series of clues uh, of a former Derby County player and Chris and Anton have to guess. Uh, they can guess once after each clue given. Just say your name, guys, uh, and the first person to say their name can have a guess. So... Who am I? I scored five goals in 29 appearances for Derby under Nigel Clough. Anton Johnstead. Incorrect. Chris Theo Robinson. Incorrect. A second clue. I joined the Rams on loan in 2010. Chris, I think I know this. Because and this is not a coincidence, but I think I was actually looking at this same Wikipedia page the other day. Um <laughs> Is that, Albert, is that Alberto Bueno? Yes, boys. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Anton, mate. I've completely ruined that one for you already, haven't I? No, I mean, the the listeners have been clamouring for a quiz and it's over in two rounds, so it's not not gone too well. But I, I actually saw uh, highlights on Twitter this week of the, the Crystal Palace home game, which I think must have been, what, 13 years ago this week? It was Bueno's first game i think first certainly first start i was there tom, tom was there i think as well we won five nil bueno uh bueno got at least two maybe even three okay well that, that that's unlucky ganton because because i did have a clue later which if i'd done that clue earlier you might have got it earlier because uh so my other clue my other clues were i made my professional debut for real madrid going on to make three first team appearances and scoring one goal after and second fourth clue after losing in his first two derby games he was instrumental in a six match unbeaten run including a brace against crystal palace and then yeah. my other former clubs included Valladolid, rayo Vallecano, porto and boa vista Scored 13 minutes into his debut, I think, that day, which must be up there with with the fastest start of a, of a Derby player. Probably. I mean, I remember he did he did play in two games before that, but I think off the bench in two defeats. But it was for his first start, he, he scored in against Palace. I mean, I remember that that was the, what, like two-month high point of the Nigel Clough era because he suddenly found this system with Coochie up front 
Bueno in the pocket, Chris Commons and I think Thomas Sifka were the other two kind of wide attacking players with James Bailey and Robbie Savage behind them. And he, he landed on a formula and we just looked unplayable. For two months, we looked unplayable and we were scoring goals for fun and it was completely anti every other type of football we saw under Nigel Clough. But Bueno, I think, turned out to be one of those kind of typical continental players that kind of goes missing over over the winter and it just kind of all fell apart and Sifka obviously didn't have the consistency Chris Commons was injury prone and James Bailey wasn't quite as good as he as we thought he was at the start of the season so but I remember being very excited about that team I think um yeah when I when I was reading about Bueno was it Gary Crosby Gary Crosby yeah Gary Crosby mm. said that he was like one of the most natural footballers he'd seen for ages and that sort of thing but then <laughs> in, in classic blunt Nigel Club fashion he was a bit rubbish for like six weeks and then Nigel Clough said something like uh, oh extending his contract is not a priority at the moment so he was like <laughs> oh it's been a bit rubbish so I don't want to sign him anymore <laughs> just like he, he had a habit of doing that Clough didn't he I think he did it with Sifka as well just sort of writing players off somewhat and completely battering their confidence when when they went for a bit of a rough patch wasn't re- I, I don't know maybe he was an arm around the shoulder manager but I didn't really always get those vibes off him particularly often well, he made some good signs because that 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 was the same season we brought in Brayford and Bailey, and then we and we brought in Sifka, I think, around that time, and obviously Bueno around that time, and it just felt like he'd made some good signings in the right positions, and yeah, obviously it all fell apart. I, mean, I think we finished like sixteenth that season. Or something. <laughs> yeah, I think it was one like we had a great run, and then it just completely. Uh... Went off the rails when it mattered. Uh, look, hopefully Derby County can get back, get back on the rails at home and uh, get a few results to fire us up the league. But yeah, a couple of challenging away games next, as we've said, Blackpool away and Curtis Davis's Cheltenham Town away before we next speak to you. So Anton, uh, enjoy the fruits of your wine tour this week. I'm sure you will. Yeah, cheers, Chris. Um, putting up a, a cot today, so I might uh, reward myself with a, a nice bottle of red to, uh, after that. Sensible thing to do. And Kutch, thanks for your time as always, man. Yeah, I've got a lot of wine to get through, as you know, so I'll probably be having uh, one bottle of wine and hopefully be talking about some uh, a four-game winning streak for Derby next time we're on. Sounds good. See ya. See ya.